Okay, thank you, Maggie, and thank you all for being at worship with us this morning. Let's pray together. Our great God, we come to you this morning, and we ask that you would give us ears to hear. Give us strength in Christ to obey you even today. We pray in your matchless name. Amen. You know, most of us somewhere, sometime contemplate our deaths. Will it be quickly, perhaps in an accident, or maybe through a long period of suffering? It's not necessarily morbid to consider these things. It's reality. I remember 20 years ago, um, the night before I was to have open heart surgery, and I was pondering my death. Now, if we were able to choose how we will die, I am certain that no one would choose a couple of the realities faced in the book of Daniel. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew men thrown into the fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar when they refused to bow down to the image of the king. And no one would choose what we see today in chapter 6, Daniel himself thrown into a den of lions. We are going to see Daniel faithful in life and faithful in the face of death, near the age of 90, as Maggie said, having lived out, having been schemed against for seven decades, and now he is thrown into this lion's den. You know, lions were not like the little lions that Maggie had there with her, cute little things. They could reach up to nine feet in length and weigh nearly 600 pounds. They were fierce and ferocious, and they were used in the ancient world as a form of execution. And later, even in Rome, being thrown to the lions became a sick form of entertainment. Babylon was decorated with glazed tiles depicting lions. 120 of these Figures lined the way towards the northern entrance of Babylon, the gate of Ishtar, as well as Nebuchadnezzar's throne room. The lion was a symbol of Babylon and represented Ishtar, the goddess of fertility, love, and war. And the lion was to put fear in all enemies, and the lion still does today. Remember that the Babylonians had taken Jerusalem captive. All of the sacred vessels of the temple had been taken from Jerusalem to the temple of Baal in Babylon. The brightest and the best of the young Israelites were also taken into captivity, where the Babylonians planned to change their language, their lifestyle, their loyalties, everything about their lives. But the Babylonians had never encountered someone like Daniel and his friends who were committed to the God of heaven. As we come to Daniel 6, remember that Daniel has lived through, served, and even prospered under the reigns of various rulers, including Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and now Darius has come on the scene. In fact, the last verse of chapter 4, Chapter 5 mentioned Darius, 
And now the first verse of chapter six mentions Darius. And the final verse of the chapter mentions Darius and Cyrus of the Medes and the Persians. And many scholars believe these to be the same person. So here is nearly 90 year old Daniel, the one taken as a teenager out of Israel, having an incredible place of influence. But above all, still faithful to the God of Israel. Now he is serving under his third king in exile. Hear the word of God, Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So we see Daniel living faithfully. In the political work setting, Daniel was distinguished above all the other high officials. There was an integrity to Daniel's life, which was seen by all. The king especially saw Daniel's character and his abilities, and he was in the top three of all the governors, over 120 in this vast kingdom of Babylon. And even of the three, Daniel distinguished himself. Daniel cared for the interest of others. And it's clear that the other officials were jealous and they wanted to bring Daniel down, but no fault could be found in his life. Scripture says, because he was faithful. So these other officials decided in verse five, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. This is so interesting because with nearly every other, what we would consider biblical forefather, there is much baggage and sin which scripture records about their lives. Abraham, he resorted to deception when he feared for his life a number of times. Moses struck the rock in anger. David committed adultery and murder. But Daniel, scripture records no dirt whatsoever on him. His enemies cannot find any fault with him. Someone said their only option was to make it illegal to obey God. So they devised their plan. Verse six, then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. 
All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. All these officials appealed to the vanity and the inexperience of the new king. They told him that no one should make any petition of any person or God except for the king for 30 days. It all sounded good. They got him to put his signature upon the document, and it became part of the absolute, unchangeable law of the Medes and Persians. It was a done deal. In reality, these officials knew Daniel well enough to know that as a man of devotion and principle and faithfulness to his God, he was not going to change. And the law could not change. And so a showdown is coming. Well, not only did Daniel live faithfully, we see him living courageously. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel knew that the injunction had been signed. Daniel knew about the irrevocable nature of the law of the Medes and Persians. What did Daniel do? Verse 10 tells us that he went to his house, he got down on his knees, and he prayed. Daniel could have stopped praying for a 30-day period. Daniel could have hidden in prayer to have his prayers. Daniel did what he had done for seven decades. He went and he prayed. Prayer was vitally important to Daniel. Daniel had a regular place to pray there in his upper room. He had a regular posture of prayer. He practiced prayer by getting down on his knees. And you know, praying on our knees, it certainly shows a humility and a dependence, which is good. And Daniel had a regular time to pray, three times a day, in fact. Psalm 55 says that the psalmist calls to the Lord evening, morning, and at noon. Some will say that we should pray five times a day or seven times a day. The Apostle Paul himself in the New Testament puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want to encourage you this morning to set some good habits. Have a place and a time whether it's a table or an office or while you're walking, find a time and a place that works for you to pray. 
Some will feel badly and say, I have trouble praying for long periods of time. Well, Charles Spurgeon is quoted all the time, and this is what he said. I regularly pray, I rarely pray for more than five minutes, but I never go five minutes without praying. That's great. Daniel regularly prayed and gave thanks to his God. Often, we do not think of praying as being courageous, but in Daniel's situation, it was bold and it was courageous, and yet it was simply who Daniel was as a child of the true king. How do you do with prayer this morning? In its essence, prayer shows a dependence. And you know, if there's one thing that we need to learn through this whole pandemic and through the unrest in our country right now, it is that we are a dependent people. We are a people in need. And we must be a people seeking his face and his justice. There's no hope that we have apart from our God. May it be said of us that we rejoice always, that we pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. So Daniel is praying, doing what he has always done, and he's trapped by those who knew him well. Hear God's word in verse 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. These high officials have schemed against Daniel, and they appeal again to the king and remind him of the law of the Medes and the Persians. In reality, these officials had schemed against the king as much as against Daniel. The king did not know that they were setting a trap. Verse 14, then the king, when he heard these things, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. You can imagine the smugness in which they spoke to the king. The king is bound by what he had done. Verse 16, then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. 
Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. The king had figured out already that there was something special about Daniel and about Daniel's God. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And now, once again, in the book of Daniel, we have a king who cannot sleep. You remember Nebuchadnezzar in chapter two had a dream and he could not sleep. And now the king is worried for Daniel, one who was faithful and yet one who was sentenced to the lion's den, certain death by the decree of the king who was tricked. Imagine the king not sleeping. And then verse 19, then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Now, there are certainly some horrid things here, and there are some really cool things that we see. Remember in verse 17, a stone had been rolled across the den, and the king had sealed it with his signet. Obviously, in the morning, the stone had to be rolled away. Does that remind you of another stone being rolled away? Daniel says that his God sent an angel and shut the lion's mouth. The king rejoiced that Daniel was alive, and those who had plotted against Daniel were themselves thrown into the den of lions and were devoured. Let me go back to the part of the story involving the angel. Verse 22, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. In our day, we don't quite know what to make of angels, but scripture speaks of these beings and their role. We know that angels glorify and praise God. The psalmist declares in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Scripture is clear also in saying that angels are sent by God to protect his people. And Daniel would have known the truth from the Psalms, for he will command in Psalm 91, his angels concerning you to guard you 
in all your ways. In Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. But we are educated and we are sophisticated. So what do we do with this angel stuff? Do you believe that there is a role that angels play in your life? Well, Daniel was certainly educated and sophisticated by both Israel and Babylon, and he experienced angels. Are we today protected by angels? A number of years ago, Billy Graham, a good source, told the story which took place in the New Hebrides. That's the colonial name for the islands in the South Pacific that is now called Vanuatu. He tells of missionary John G. Patton and of the protective care that he experienced by angels. To his surprise, the mission building was surrounded one night by a band of headhunters. And the only ones in the building were Patton and his wife, and they planned to burn the building down and to kill them. Well, Patton and his wife, as you can understand, they were unable to sleep. They prayed all night that God would deliver them. And at daylight, it was clear that the attackers had left. Well, the next year in God's providence, the chief of the tribe became a follower of Jesus Christ. And Patton, remembering what had happened that night, asked the chief what had kept him and his men from killing them. And the chief responded with another question to him saying, well, who were all those men who were with you that night? And the missionary answered, well, it was just my wife and I who were there. The chief passionately described how there were hundreds of big men in shining garments with their swords drawn all around the mission station. And Patton then realized that God had sent his angels to protect them. Now that certainly is a miraculous story. Have you ever experienced something miraculous in your life that you could not explain other than God had miraculously interceded or rescued. You know, there are a couple times in my life that there was great danger. And I certainly believe that God miraculously protected me. I saw no angels, but his presence was certainly there. For Daniel, we know that it was an angel sent from God who closed the mouth of the lions. And if we are too educated and sophisticated to believe the truth revealed by God, then friends, we might as well say, Houston, there is a problem because God is alive. God has an active army of angels, and they are active, albeit mostly unseen in the dealings of our lives in this world. Hebrews 1 says this, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That is us. Well, back to Daniel. Daniel, by his character, 
and his actions impacted other people greatly. Now, Daniel's not a priest. Daniel is a civil worker. He did his everyday work with an excellent spirit. Some were jealous and plotted against him to their own destruction. And at least one, the king, saw the life of Daniel, his faithfulness and his courage, and the king saw his God also. And the king praises the God of Daniel. It's amazing to see the response of King Darius to Daniel's delivery by his God. The king makes a new decree now. Hear God's word, verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and peace. Fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. The faithful life of Daniel lived out before others in humility and courage and boldness, actually was used by God to change the lives of others, including the king who ends up worshiping the God of Daniel. You know, your character and actions can greatly impact others. In fact, Matthew 6 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And then we come to the last verse in Daniel 6, verse 28. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now, at first reading, this seems rather anticlimactic, and unimportant. But it's really cool. When you have time, go to Ezra chapter 1, and you will read that this ruler, this king, sends the exiled people of Israel back to Jerusalem, along with all the plundered goods taken from the temple. And then, as a result of their return to their homeland, we know that a child, the hope of Israel, and the hope of us was born in the city of David. And then considering that birth, back to the reality of angels, interestingly, at the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, a multitude of angels praised God and said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And then Hebrews 1, speaking of angels, says, let all God's angels worship him. In conclusion this morning, Daniel, living faithfully and courageously, prospered under king after king. 
There's so much wisdom for us to learn from his life. And as Jack mentioned, next week we will start a new series focusing more on wisdom for today. And our world would tell us one thing. And yet God's word will tell us the right thing and the true thing, wise versus lies. Tyler and Rachel, as Jack mentioned, will be arriving this week and then their furniture will come after them and they will be getting settled. And Mark Nix will kick off our series next week on the book of Proverbs. Daniel, in chapters 1 through 6, has called us to live a holy life before a God who is sovereign and in control of all things. He tells us how to live in this world. When the bottom falls out, he tells us to pray and to praise and to proclaim. When you're in the fire, to know and trust that your God is in there with you. He is sovereign and he is good. God loves us enough to sometimes humble us and then he restores us. We've learned that idols never work. They never will. Only God does. We've learned to trust even in the lion's den, to stand firm and courageous, not in ourselves, but in the lion of Judah. Going to another prophetic book, Jesus is presented in Revelation 5 as that lion of Judah. He is the fierce defender of his people. And in the same passage, Jesus is presented as the lamb of God the one sacrificed for his people. Our hope is in the Lord, the lion of Judah and the lamb of God. St. Augustine said it this way, he, Jesus, endured death as a lamb. He devoured it as a lion. Today, some of you are facing your own form of a lion's den. God may take you out of the den and God may tame the lion and keep you right where you are. Are you willing to trust him right now, right where you are? No matter how confusing your circumstances today, have faith and trust and move forward in his strength living faithfully and courageously. Move toward perhaps the hardest thing you are facing right now. Move toward that fear. Don't be afraid of this lion's den. For in reality, you have a lion who fights for you, who defends you. Many of you know C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. The most famous of that series is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And in that series, the lion is named Aslan. He is the Christ figure. Lewis himself loved the country of Turkey. And the Turkish word for lion is Aslan, the fierce, tenacious lover and protector of his people. 
I said earlier that no one would choose certain dreaded deaths. But in reality, Jesus did choose the dreaded death on the cross. In Revelation 5, which I just referenced, it starts with one angel asking, who is worthy? Then Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. And then this same lion is called the Lamb, the amazing Lamb of God. And John says this in verse 11, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying in a loud voice in answer to the previous question, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Because of the lion and the lamb, we can live faithfully and courageously trusting in our great God. Jesus changes everything. This morning, as we close in prayer, I will be praying a prayer by Scotty Smith. And after quoting Daniel 6, and Daniel kneeling and praying to God. This is the prayer that Scotty Smith prays, and I want to encourage you to make it your own prayer as I lead us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I am so drawn to the heart which beat in Daniel's breast, a heart filled with praise for you, not fear for himself. He just learned of a decree that anybody praying to any other God or man but Darius would become lion's lunch. So what did he do? The same thing he had done for decades in Babylon. The windows were open, his knees were bent, his gaze was set, and even before he asked you for help, he offered you thanks. He was neither paranoid nor presumptuous, but he was definitely at peace. What freedom, what beauty, what intimacy your aging son and servant enjoyed. Father, you never commanded Daniel to get on his knees three times a day. You didn't need to. It was his delight. No government decree could keep him from praying to you, loving you, seeking you, or worshiping you. He was much, much more committed to your eternal glory than his personal survival. How much more should this kind of peace and praise mark our lives? No matter what spiritual warfare looks like in our day, no matter how intense the clash between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God gets, for even as our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, he's a defeated lion and a defanged foe. For your son, the lion of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Jesus is the lion, the only lion, who is worthy of our full attention and utter preoccupation. Oh, what peace joy and confidence and boldness the gospel gives us. Father, as we get older, please keep us fresh 
green and fruitful. There's really no such thing as retirement in your kingdom. Spiritual shuffleboard isn't in our future. A fritter is something to eat, not something to do with the rest of our lives. Fill our hearts with your glory, grace, and spirit. Fill our gaze with a vision of your redeemed people and your restored creation. Fill our hands with the basin and towel of servants. Use us however you choose all the remaining days you've numbered for us. So very amen we pray in Jesus' magnificent and merciful name. Amen.